Welcome to the Fizzle Show! Yeah! Hey, you know, I do that every episode. I hope it's not bugging you. This is the Fizzle Show. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself, doing something that you care about. On this episode, we talk about how to stop yourself from resenting other successful entrepreneurs. Okay, because when we compare ourselves to other people, our work gets worse, not better. Okay, if I'm so smart, why aren't I successful yet? That's the question that we get into, and it's a good one. Your hosts are people who, like me, uh, run a website called fizzle.co. It's a place where you can find training courses and community support to help you run an independent small business. You, yourself, that's right, you listening to me in your car, as you're running, as you're doing a thing. What are you doing right now? You can get five weeks of this site for free. All these courses, all this training, etc. When you go to fizzle.co slash try five, we do that for you guys just because you're a listener of the podcast. We really like doing this show. We would love for you to have five weeks of fizzle for free. When you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay, follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 159. I'll be back after this to fill in any gaps. Barrett, what were you going to say? I wasn't going to say nothing, man. Come on, say it. I was saying that today's the first day of my third year of working with you dudes. Two-year anniversary. Almost a full year of working with Steph, but we'll let we'll save that one for when it's actually two years. It's soon. Well, it's soon to be a year, I should say, so for me. So we realized this funny thing that we just had our new team member join us today. And well, not on the podcast, but on the team. Yeah, we got a new team member. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so her work anniversary will be one day after my work anniversary, which is nine days before Steph's work anniversary. So April's just a big month around here. Work anniversary? Wow. I think we could do better. Fizzle anniversary. Work anniversary. That sounds like something that you do. You'd be like, "Hey, man, I'm working on my freestyles. Uh, I'm going to my coach." Yeah, he's he's gonna work. We're gonna do the work anniversary. Uh-huh. We're gonna work those verses up. You know what that I mean? Like a work verse. I mean, like, <laughs> hustle and flow. <laughs> well, Can, you guys, I yeah, just want to I want to give a shout out to Emily. So Emily Kelly is our new team member, and um, she's working with us at Fizzle. We're really excited to have her today. At the day we're recording was her first day, and if you guys write into support at fizzle.co and you contact us, you're probably gonna talk to Emily. So. Give her a warm welcome if you want to, and uh, we're pretty pumped that she's that she's going to be working with us. And I'm not the only girl anymore. It's pretty. It's pretty noteworthy, I think. Yeah, this is Woo. pretty awesome. This is pretty great. We're we're growing a real company, you guys. It's all happening. By the way, pro tip: have the little uh, anniversary of your employees in your calendar as a <laughs> as a recurring event. <laughs> That is just uh, on the house. <laughs> That's just a trick on the house. Honestly, the only reason I remember it is because I put it in my calendar. Otherwise, I'd just like wake up three months from now. I'm like, oh, man, I've been here a little while. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, congratulations, Barrett. Two years working in Fizzle. You're not, you don't look a day older than 11. Steph, congratulations on finding an awesome person to work with us. I've had one call with Emily. As, uh, Barrett and Corbett, you've each had one call with Emily. And Steph, you've been working pretty pretty furiously with her already today, I yeah, think, right? Indeed. As, and uh, getting, her, getting her all signed up. This is so exciting. I'm excited. We are so 
freaking lucky that we can like put out a blog post, send out an email and and mention it a few times in Fizzle. And we get so many great people applying for these jobs. It was literally like an actual discussion about which of the applicants we'd actually hire because they're they're every time we've hired, it's been high quality people coming from within Fizzle and uh, Barrett and Steph are two great examples. Now Emily is the third, and so this is this is exciting. I'm pumped. As, I'm pumped. As yep, me yeah. too. Sorry. Reason number one hundred and five to podcast and blog. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. true. Uh, oh man! Listen for the for the. I, we've had a lot of people recently. I've seen a little bit more of an uptick, and people get in touch recently, going like, uh, listening to the backlog of the podcast, like the early episodes when it was when it was me, Corbett, and Caleb. And they, we used to, Corbett and I used to do this thing where I would go to, to San Francisco or he'd come out to Oakland when I was living down there. And we would just, we would make cocktails, like two, one big pint glass full of cocktail and we would record. And <laughs> Caleb would be like calling in and he would just like, uh, like observe the massacre of like, we, of like whatever topic we were talking about. Absolutely. And, uh, it, and so anyways, to anybody who's going back in the in the day to listen to the old episodes, because this is episode 159. I mean, this is not our first rodeo. No. We've talked about a lot of things here. It is our 159th <laughs> rodeo. We have done exactly 159 rodeos, actually, now that I think about it. Um, so anyways, I, I uh, we used to make a Fernet and Coke all the time, Corbett and I. Get that Mexican Coke in the bottle, uh, mm. made from some real real sugar. And you do it like kind of 50-50 with Fernet. And it's like a minty. We, it shouldn't work, but it does. And so uh, in, in, in honor of that, I'm just drinking Fernet on the rocks because I kind of can't st- stomach the, the sugar anymore. <laughs> I think, uh, you know how some businesses have summer work hours where they like do a half day on Friday mm-hmm. or whatever? We should just have summer cocktail podcast. I honestly, I think it's last night. Okay, so last night I couldn't, I the, sleeping great, sleeping great. You guys, I was sleeping super good last night. My little sleep watch will prove it. Then... Do you have a cup of coffee? Beep! Fire alarm. Oh. In the oh other room. Oh, my God. At three in the morning going like, Hey, just so you know. <laughs> hey, uh, my battery's running low. <laughs> guys? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you should change my battery in like the next month or so. It's getting kind of low. Guys, it's 3 a.m. 3 a.m. What the hell? And so I and like I got so furious at that because the other day, like our fire alarm in Aiden's room went off at about the same time. Jake, but went off. Didn't it wasn't just the the uh, the the battery thing. Anyways, I had to wake up, get on this chair, pull the TM fire alarm off, pull, rip out the batteries, and like laugh over the over the broken carcass of this fire alarm because I hate it so gosh darn much. And then I couldn't go back to bed. But the good news is, when you're lying there at three in the morning, I was just like, what am I going to do? I got to let my mind think through what my mind's going to think through. And so I was thinking through some stuff. And I thought through a lot of stuff. Yeah. I got a lot of, I got a lot of insights right now. Yeah? I'm running high on insight. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm running high on insight. Should we just have a chase insight? No, show? no, no, no. No, this is actually stuff about the podcast. Meta. Meta. We don't want to get... Ooh. We don't want to expose the meta in... The the micro. All I know is you had insides last night, and there's for net in your cup today. So yeah, well, not that that doesn't have anything to do with the insides. Actually, that just has to do with the fact that yeah, yeah. it's hot in Portland, and we like it's to true. drink. It's actually it. hot. It's actually really warm in Portland. Steph, you're really warm in Chicago. Oh my god, it's unbelievable. Just 
78 degrees. I can't even believe it. People are just cartwheeling down the street. It's it's wonderful. Um, so pandemonium, pandemonium dogs and cats cats living together. <laughs> totally. Everybody's just bumping into each other, eating hot dogs. Oh, hey, sorry. Yeah, that's ah. literally that's exactly what happens. But Chase, wait, I I'm, cur- I'm curious. That. Is one of your huh. insights that you thought about at three o'clock in the morning that you should be drinking on the podcast? No, no, it wasn't that. Okay, because uh, that's a good insight. But, uh, Steph, correlation correlation does not imply causation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. But Steph, hey, listen, you're like you're getting close to due date. I am. We're we're, dro- we're dropping a brand new Crowder in 2016. It's true, and then I I will definitely me, be having a cocktail me? on the podcast in a matter of time, very shortly. I'm excited about yeah. that. Yeah, leave it. Yeah, that's gonna be exciting. Pump mm-hmm. and dump. So, what? um, <laughs> don't worry about it. Slip that in there. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I will not let you just slip that one in there. Listen, you guys, there's a lot of people. I wonder how many entrepreneurs out there are building their business and they and they like are like brand new parents or about to be this year or something like that. Well, we know for a fact that there's a lot of parents because yes. we get that all the time. Like you guys, you share advice like you don't even know what a kid is. Yeah. Wait, we don't do that, though. What? What? We don't share advice like we don't know what a kid is. Well, people are always like. You don't take into account that I'm a parent and I have children and I have duties and I got other stuff going on besides building a business. Well, they say that to you when you talk a bunch of crap. (laughs) (laughs) We got to stand up for Barrett a little bit there. Okay. Yeah. Barrett was like, listen, you can't be doing two things at once. It's one thing. That's the thing you're doing. So if you're doing the dishes, trying to listen, you're not learning, you know? And and to to because it's a good point. It's a good point. Like, listen, we only have so much bandwidth, all of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, for every parent who's going like, uh, listen, there's not enough time in the day. There's maybe a half a parent somewhere or a quarter of a parent. Like, so meaning there's less of these people who are going like, I know I only have a limited amount of time in my day. So I only get to do this. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's that kind of thing, this concept that I have on course management and productivity where it's like, all right, golf course, you're looking at a par five. You you got a driver. You're like, God, maybe I'll just try to get it all the way, get it all the way over there. And you know, you can't do it. Right. And it leads to frustration every single time. Because what happens when you try to swing the crap out of a golf club? It's like, especially when there's a dog leg, you know, (laughs) I mean, let me I'll tell you what I'm going down a dog leg, dog leg left. Oh, no, man, a dog leg right. I got it wrong. Anyways, anyways, we love parents. I realize that I'm. I like. I keep. I keep fantasizing about doing stand up comedy, man. I keep trying to look for someone smart enough to go. Like, here's why that's a stupid thing to pursue right now. It's not stupid. And um and and so I realize like I'm. I've got half. I'm halfway to the shtick of like the dad who like the just like the the white American dad who's just like, gosh darn it, what's with these trees? You guys have these trees in your yard? They drop these little nuts? Oh my God, they're so annoying. You know what I mean? Talking about bull crap like that, realizing like, I'm going to make it big in comedy, you guys. So I got that going for me. Anyways, drinking for net. Well, at least you're starting with explaining the jokes. Yeah, so because the thing is happening is trees. Anyways. Uh, listen, one more thing before we get on. It's spring. <laughs> it's spring. Guess who just had a guy come haul away a bunch of junk from his house yesterday? This guy. Uh, this Barrett? guy. This, no, me. The other me. thing is, there's a car in your garage. Yeah. What is happening? I, I Listen, you guys, I did a little rearranging, and I can pull my car into my garage now. Turns out my garage is actually massive. No one knew. No one knew because everything was arranged in angles. It was unbelievable. It was like, oh, I could shimmy this against the wall. No, I'll pull it out as an angle and then angle this other table over. 
we don't know why we got them here. Anyways, um, I wanted uh, to get into a very big conversation with us today. We were we were kicking this around on Slack, talking about should we talk about this, shouldn't we talk about this, and Steph was championing it. I think it's a great topic. So, Steph, bring us into what we are going to be hashing through today. So, what we're going to talk about today is this feeling or this sentiment that I I know for a fact that all of us have felt. You may have even felt it today or this week because it's one of those like just common kind of like icky feeling thoughts that you have that you kind of wish you didn't have, which revolves, I think, in part around frustration about not being as far as you want to be and also comparing yourself to other people, perhaps. And um, this was kind of inspired by a conversation in the forum, but we're not going to get really into the specifics of that particular conversation, except for the fact that I love the way the question was framed, which is the following. If I'm so smart, how come I'm not rich yet is the question that we're talking about. And what that question really means is if I... I know like it's it's that feeling of I have confidence in myself. I know I have good ideas. I know I'm a smart person, yet I have not made it. I don't feel I've made it as a uh, entrepreneur. I don't feel like my ideas have really clicked into place. I feel like I should have the ability to be rich, whatever you want rich to mean, but I'm not there yet. And I haven't gotten there despite maybe years of having this fantasy about being in business for myself. So um, I'm hoping we can have a conversation about what does that mean and how do we help people break through that, especially relative to when they look around at other people who perhaps they perceive as being rich and they think to themselves, you know, my ideas are better than that or I'm smarter than that person. And I know everybody's had that thought. It doesn't sound like a very pleasant thing to think about somebody else, but we've all had that feeling of like, wow, seriously, that person made it and I didn't. What's going on here? So it's kind of just that feeling of, what do you do when you feel like you have good ideas, you feel like you're a smart, capable person, and yet you're still spinning your wheels and you are not where you want to be in your business and with the goals that you have? That's kind of the general topic. And I would kind of add here that I think there's oftentimes kind of an arch nemesis quality to this kind of feeling where there's another person you see out there, you don't really like their style, you don't really like the way they do things but they're kind of taking off or you see their business doing really well or they're making more money than you or whatever metric matters to you. I think it can be easy to get this kind of standoffish feeling towards an individual in particular who embodies this feeling that you're having, which often has nothing to do with them. It's truly just about why is this not working in the same way for me, even though X, Y, and Z is done differently. You know what it makes me think of? Well, I think- Go, Corbett, go. I was going to say, I think it does have a lot to do with that other person because, it, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you think you're smarter than them. It means a lot of times you think they don't deserve it for some right. reason. Mm-hmm. Either it could be they're not as smart or they're not as talented or uh, they're douchey or whatever it is that you think. We just like to point the finger at other people that we think are less than us for some reason and that they don't deserve or that we deserve more to have what they do. Right. Mm. Yeah. So so far we're we're kind of it sounds like we're all like like fly like flies on we're we're jumping on that like sort of comparing ourselves to to the others part of it right because like the the whole like wait I'm smarter than this person why are they successful and I'm not you know yep. and that to me is such a um, God I feel that so much I, I I find that it comes in waves for me okay sometimes sometimes I feel it and sometimes it's like not even not even on the radar like I'm just pleased as punch that anybody would would experience any success in life 
you know, because it's such it's so difficult. It's it, there's so many things working against you. One thing that I have learned on this was actually something that I picked up in a video from that School of Life channel that I that I still love so much that that uh, if you're not watching, you should, that I'm a part of a private beta of a digital product of theirs right now. Whoa. Yeah, those guys are serious. Listen, man, I heard you gonna help me out, make a digital product. I'm a philosopher. You know me, I'm a philosopher. I'm helping people be practical in their philosophies. You know, it's very simple to do this. You know, you got philosophy, Plato, Aristotle. I'm gonna help you apply this to your life in a very practical way. And I need someone to help me with some digital product experience. Sounds like it's right up your Can alley. Can I just point out that uh, somehow, somehow Chase's voices got narrowed down to one <laughs> over the years? Just the drunk guy. <laughs> well, I don't know exactly yeah. what it is, you know. It's just that some of them sort of are not allowed anymore. You know, I sort of gave myself that. And now I'm breaking my own rules. See? You I just are. wanted to see if I could still do it. You can. Just wanted to see if I could still do There's it. It's a little bit of like a different character happening on Snapchat, though. So oh! <laughs> You've been watching that? Here we go. Steph, honestly, what's your take on that? We're going to come right back. But like, I literally was like, what if I created a character and then in my, all my Snapchat updates are from a character? <laughs> what do you think? I, I, I have to admit, I don't know if you've done any additional work over the weekend, but I did see what you did last week. And I like the uh, iterations of the different characters. I think we went from a struggling actor to a dog. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, there was a dog. For I really love the was. element of surprise. I just don't know what I'm going to get on Chase's Snapchat. <laughs> Corbett, you'd love this. That was a dog. This is one face thing that where you put the, the, the it gives you like the nose and the ears of a dog. And I'm on screen for about eight seconds, just kind of like making like a, oh God, like a gross face. Like, mm, I finally did it. I licked my own. <laughs> and then it ends. Thought you'd get a picture of of that liking that. I think that. And coming back to the point now, you're right. And that can you just can you email me? Can you email me that? I video? could. I could try to. I know that uh, you'd have to. You know, download it to your mobile digital device or something like that, which can be quite difficult with the WWE internet. Um, so. I, I one thing that's been helpful for me from the school of life, but you didn't think I could pull back to there, is this uh, the, the one of the things they say in this video. And you know what? I'm going to find it because it's such a great video because it basically d talks directly about this kind of thing. Um, and it just says one like it's like five points, and one of them is like, have you forgotten that what you're trying to do is actually quite a hard thing to do? You know, and it's just like it shows and it shows this little animation of a person climbing a huge mountain. And it's, and it's like, yeah, starting a business and actually getting successful in it is not an easy thing. It actually is a very difficult thing, all things being said. Another thing that it says is like, are you discounting the, the role of luck in making your th and, and, like, and like what you're trying to pursue? Because the truth is that there is a good deal of luck involved, you know? Part of it is, you know, there's that old quote, inspiration is... Uh, 99% preparation or something like that. I can't remember it. But, um, wow, but nailed it. But that <laughs> inspiration is a jumbo ship full of, uh, I don't know, llamas or some shit. You know what I'm talking about. So, but this, it's this idea of you plan and you prepare for what you can plan and prepare for. But the things that actually bring your business to life, half the time, you don't even have any control over. You only have control. We we always say here is you can control the work. You can right. you have a commitment to the work. You are guaranteed the work inside of Fizzle. We have this great little video that's um that's in our Fizzle mindset video. And it's, it's like very like you know poetic. It's Corbin and I switching off 
um, cameras and we're just kind of reading this thing that, that we both wrote on, on like, you're not entitled to success. You're not, it's not like you're not entitled to anything except for effort, except for the work. And, and that sentiment can be so hard to remember over and over again when you watch people get successful all the time. So this bitterness, like to me, what, what would you say? To me, it's like bitterness and resentment. When I look around the world and I see like people who are doing the things and I'm like, how come we don't have that kind of traction? Like I said, sometimes it's affecting me and sometimes it's not. And I'm working real hard so that it doesn't affect, because nothing good comes out of that aff affectation. You know what I mean? Nothing ever creative and interesting has come out of me going like, I wish I had what that person had. Everything well, also, good, let's go for it. Also inherent in that, just that phrase, like if I'm so smart, why aren't I rich yet? I think there is entitlement in that phrase. It, it assumes that because I'm smart, I should be rich. Yeah. And that entitlement's a dangerous thing. If you go through your career or whatever it is that you're trying to build, feeling like you deserve the thing, then maybe you're not going to work hard enough to actually make it happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, go ahead, Steph. No, I was just going to add, I mean, just to, to go back to Chase's point too. It's something that I find myself having to remind myself all the time. It, we've talked about it before, but really digging into the effort divorced from the result. I think we all want to believe that we control results and you don't control the result at all. I mean, you control the work that goes into it and you can have hypotheses about what that work is going to lead to, but you just get into this really dangerous place if you have the belief that you're able to control what the actual outcome is going to be. And that word mm. that Corbett's using of entitlement, we often feel entitled to certain outcomes, you know, entitled to having the house I want or having the lifestyle I want. You aren't entitled to that at all. You're entitled to work. You're entitled to putting in the effort and you're entitled to working hard. And the rest of that comes as a result of it. But none of us are entitled to the things that we think we want. And I think when you realize that you have to control the things that you can truly control and challenge yourself on what am I actually in control over? Like I'm in control over writing this blog post right now. I'm in control of having a mastermind group. I'm in control of having a support community to help me when I get stuck, but I am not in control of what goes viral. I am not in control of how much money I make this year. I mean, all the work is going to lead to that, but I can't just say that I'm going to control that outcome directly. So really having a good understanding of what things you actually have the ability to impact, I think is just a huge reality check within this conversation. Mm, I like that. Yeah. You know, Corbett over on his uh, personal side has been getting a little fired up lately. <laughs> I love it when he, he gets some inspiration, but Corbett, you've written a couple posts, one called, it's not about what you know, it's about what you do. And then one about the easy money being all gone. But why don't you talk about that idea behind the, it's not about what you know, it's about what you do. Cause I think that kind of hits at the heart of this thing on some level. Yeah, totally. I think um, the the whole point is just that um, there's a difference between knowledge and application of that knowledge. And I think that it just, for example, in in um, this topic that we're talking about and and the comments that followed it within the forums over at Fizzle, I saw somebody mentioning that you know he had a, a really great situation because he had a long commute so he was able to consume x number of business books every week and i just thought to myself reading books does nothing to get you closer to your goal it's just building knowledge in your head but it's not actually taking forward pro it's not making forward progress so i i think this is the 
there's there's a real danger in feeling that like um like people who aren't as smart as you don't deserve success for some reason because in a way they might be smarter than you they might be smarter than you in a lot of different realms they might not be as book smart as you uh, or maybe as clever as you, but maybe they're smarter with people, or maybe they're just better at getting themselves to take action, which is another word for discipline, right? And so at the end of the day, success, I think, is a combination of what you know and how you apply it. And sometimes you don't have to know that much in order to effectively apply that and find success. I think a lot of people assume that they have to know a whole lot before they can start taking action. Um, but at the end, at the end of the day, it's, it's really about what you do and not what you know. And, and that's kind of an extension of, uh, something that we bring up all the time from Derek Sivers, which is this idea that ideas are really just a multiplier of execution. So you could have the greatest idea in the world, but if you have really poor execution, the outcome of that isn't going to be some massive hit. Likewise, you can have really great execution and a poor idea, and that doesn't lead to much. So really you want both. And sometimes when I hear people say that they feel like they're really smart or they're smarter than someone else that they know who is more successful than they are, it might mean that they think they're smart because they have really great ideas. But if they're not acting on those ideas, it doesn't mean crap. Hey, y'all, this is Pastor Rick filling in for Chase because uh, he's out doing God only knows what. <laughs> Anyways, the sponsor this episode is Fresh Books. As a pastor, I, I read a lot of books and very few of them are fresh. So this is a breath of fresh air. And Fresh Books is small business accounting. Now, it's software you use on the internet website and, and it has a mobile app and everything. And you can use it to write invoices, track your time, make expenses and all that. I want to talk about time tracking for just one second. The five P's of time tracking are present. You got to make it make it feel like a present. Um, present, you got to be present. That's in the second P, the same word both times. Anyways, I won't get into all the P's, but suffice it to say that you can track all of your time within FreshBooks so that when it comes time to invoice your clients, you know exactly how much time you've spent on all those projects. And I think that sounds pretty good, don't you? I think so too. FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted access to all of the listeners of The Fizzle Show, totally free right now. And you don't even need a credit card to try it out. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash fizzle. That's freshbooks.com slash fizzle. And enter fizzle in the how did you hear about us section. That is freshbooks.com slash fizzle. And I just want to say thank you to FreshBooks. Such a generous lot, such a great group of people to be spending this kind of time with your audience to, to, to cherish the good work that's being done here on the Fizzle Show because there are people out there who are struggling. They are struggling to find what they need out of this life, and FreshBooks is helping them. And, hey, uh, Rick, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, uh, thanks, Rick, for helping me on the ad read. Let's get back to the show. You know, I've long had this idea uh, or, or kind of this conviction that um, that you get ahead in life not by being smart. <laughs> you get ahead in life by being stupid enough, um, by being a smart person who's stupid enough. I think. Well, you know, one of the one of the I, I, assumptions we're making here is that is that there is some correlation at all between intelligence and success. And and if I mean, look at what's on primetime TV. Look at the most successful movies that are ever made. There's very few smart things in that. 
you know, and what you're what we're talking about is building a business, which which typically involves creating an audience, you know. So for for most products and most you know bloggers, most info things, it's like it's how good do you know how to speak to regular people, not to smart people, not to not to any other kind of people besides regular people. And I am my own worst enemy in this regard because I'm I'm very I'm not going to say I'm smart, but I'm very bright. I'm clever. I'm quick. I'm witty. And I get in my way all the time. Like just just exactly to your point, Corbin, it's not what you know. It's what you do. Right. And if you look at what I've done, you'd see like almost nothing in terms of output. If you compared it to all the things that I'm pretty proficient at. Um, and, and it's become like a big source of frustration for me knowing that like, like, uh, but I'm learning, I, I'm starting to see more of the game that's at hand here and, and seeing that, like, you gotta be dumber by, by dumber. And it doesn't mean like, like you just, you just choose things willy nilly. No, it means like you don't forget what's important because you fell in love with some shiny new object. You don't forget what's at the heart of engagement, the heart of marketing, at the heart of getting people excited about a thing because they have a problem that you're going to help them solve, like that's so simple. And I forget it. I forget the essentials of that inside of Fizzle every single, like every week, you know. And and to me, I just spoke about this at WooConf, talking about. Um, did, did I tell you guys the the title of my talk that I gave at WooConf, this conference in Austin? I don't know if I did. It was. Uh, it's pretty good. Tell me if you tell me if you like it. The top one ways to never not fail, and the first one's a real doozy. Huh? I think I did pretty good, right? I used some of those uh, some of those strategies to put together a good, salacious headline. What do you think, Corbett? Could it be better? Uh, I'll have to see the uh, the actual article. The top but, one uh, ways to never not be successful, and the first one's a real doozy. I'm quite proud of it. Um, but but anyways, what I what I came down to is is. And it was sort of like it was like self therapy. I was I was I was soothing myself, going like, "Hey, idiot! You know enough." Like, and and you're gonna keep comparing yourself to other people again and again and again because success is a moving target. We've already learned that. Go to episode 140 of this show. Create your own definition of success. One of my favorite episodes because the topic is just. I, I don't know of any topic that's more central. To anyone, to, to 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 us entrepreneur types, you know, success is a moving target. Target, it's fluid, and and when you get there, whatever you currently assume is success, you're gonna get there, and you go like, oh man, I had this wrong from the start, and so you gotta create your own definition from the start. So we got that, we know that, but I still find myself like comparing our, our like we all do, comparing ourselves to others. We have good days and bad days when it comes to that. And what I found is it, it, what I kind of firmly believe, but I find, again, I have to be honest, like I have a really hard time implementing this in my life, is that if you want to be successful, okay, you've got to stay close to the people who are going to make you successful. And that's not Gary Vaynerchuk. You know what I mean? It's not Seth Godin and it's not Corbett Barr and it's not, you know, uh, Pam Slim or, or, you know, Michelle Obama. It is, it's going to be your audience going to be the people in your audience okay so this person over here is smart is dumber than i am but they're more successful what do you mean by that well probably that they have a bigger audience more people are buying their stuff more people are interested in them okay so 
you want the audience, you want the people buying your stuff. So you got to get close to your audience. And what I, what my argument that I make in the talk is it's not enough to get close to your audience. You have to stay close to them. And I kind of talked a little bit about our, the things that we discovered in that customer conversations, that course that Steph put together as a way to sort of regularly stay close and check in with your audience. And to me, the big, the big reason for that is that when you see the purpose of your work, in in the stories, the real life stories of the people who you're you're serving with your product, that's what changes your definition of success. And that's what makes you feel successful. And that's what's going to make you insightful about what's going to get you there even further in the distance, you know? And I think a lot a lot of what you just said really hinges on how you define smart. So we, we really should define two things here, rich and smart, right? And mm. in the case of smart, it can mean a lot of different things. Like you, you were talking about yourself and hesitating to call yourself smart, but we all know that there are different ways that people can be smart. You can be creatively smart. You can be book smart. You can just have a high IQ. You can be emotionally smart. And when it comes to business, a lot of the things that you just described, Chase, involve people skills being empathetic with people, being emotionally smart, understanding where people are coming from, what they're struggling with, and how to relate to those people. And I can't tell you how many times, like especially in Silicon Valley, you meet people who, yes, they're really smart from an academic perspective, but not from a people perspective. And a lot of times that ends up dooming people. Or it means that if if you are just book smart and not emotionally smart, you're going to have to pair up with someone else who can work with people effectively because really that's what a business is at the end of the day. It's a group of people trying to, you know, solve a problem for another group of people. And so there's just a lot of people stuff going on there. And you have to have folks in your group who are good at relating to other people. Mm. Yeah. I would just add on to that. I think there's a, there's a very specific type of person that we see in the fizzle forums that this is kind of bringing to mind for me. And it's really interesting. Um, last week on the show, we in episode 157, we or I'm sorry, 158. We talked about um, people who are sort of feeling like, well, who am I to launch a business? Do I need expertise? Like, I don't feel like I have any expertise. And I feel like we're almost coming up with an interesting counterpoint to that type of mentality in this episode. But sometimes I feel like we have people who come to us in fizzle and they have this, this, maybe misconception or belief that if their idea is absolutely like mind-blowingly amazing enough, then they get to skip over a lot of the work that Corbett is talking about. Some of the, and Chase too, some of the uh, emotional intelligence, the customer conversations, the staying close to the people who are going to get you where you want to go. Um, sometimes we do see people who are like, I have this amazing idea. It's a total, it's going to blow up the market. Um, I really just need to, you know, figure out who I can hire to put up the right website because if I can get the right website up and if it's flashy enough, then I'm going to be able to attract the right people and this whole thing, I'm going to get rich and we can all go home. And that idea is really interesting that, um, you know, you have to have the most amazing idea possible and then everything else takes care of itself. And that's probably maybe that's true in some cases, you know, for some ideas out there that are just like absolute blockbusters. But we've talked a lot on this show about ideas that are kind of iterations on things that already exist, like Uber, for example. So it's interesting to me that we also see people who are 
maybe afraid to take action or waiting to take action because they just don't know if their idea is like stand out enough. They don't know if their idea is smart enough. And they keep thinking that maybe if they find the idea that's going to get them rich, that then then they'll start the action. So I think that's also in play as well as kind of debunking this idea that, you know, sometimes when you get started, you're not going to know if you have the idea that's going to get you where you want to go. But a lot of times it's combining that action with the smartness or with the ideas that you have. Yeah, that can't, and that can't be understated. That really can't or overstated. It can't be, it can't be stated either way. It has, it has to be stated. It must be stated more. That's what I mean is like, we have to, we, there's no way you could say that too much. You can state, you could state that like I would live in that state. You know what I mean? That's a good state. I bet the taxes are low in that state. You know what I mean? That's the kind of statement that I want to make right now about that statement. So, but, but the truth, you're right in that, oh God, like, please, please, person out there listening, when you're like, you're like, I got this little idea, but I kind of like, I don't think this is going to be the one, or I'm not sure, or I don't know, maybe we'll see. I don't know. And then you're hemming and hawing, like, right? You're thinking like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The thing that's going to get you to, oh, I'm starting to feel really good about this is not like the idea thing. This is just what Steph said. It's not the idea thing. It's actually some combination of your sweat and like callous hands with the idea. Because in some ways, I think every business is sort of like a creative exploration of an idea and of a person group and of a problem. And it's in, you get changed by a business. I get changed. I've been changed and I'm still changing by working with fizzle and fizzlers and on behalf of this i'm learning about myself i'm learning about my team but and i'm learning about our audience the people who 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 want to build an independent business right and then when i look back over the fizzle show and we've got this will be episode 159 right it's a lot of episodes and and it's kind of like okay so like what have we done with this thing i mean there's so many great gems in here but really the gems are kind of like shrouded in these big, long, hour-long conversations. And like, if someone went through and just grabbed like the, the seven-minute chunk here and there and then and all this stuff, like it could be a lot quicker that you get to the gems. Um, so it's kind of a hard medium to find those things in. But you listen through these. I, I, I don't, I, in making these, I have been changed. And people who listen to them, they get changed in some, some like almost intangible kind of way you get steeped in a way that entrepreneurs can start thinking about their business. And this is one of my favorite things when people, we have a cancellation survey at Fizzle, when people end their their uh, their membership with Fizzle, we say like, hey, if you've got a couple of minutes, would you please uh, fill out this quick survey and just let us know what, what you thought about it, like help us understand why you're quitting. And my favorite still, I, and we, these come in still to this day, but I remember someone put it this way, where she said, you guys have forever changed the way that I look at business. And that's what I love. Like, I love that. I think that is the thing. If we, it, like, that's true education to me. It's like, yeah, I could teach you about topics and about audience and about problem and about like, you know, uh, the, the 20 kinds of, of growth marketing techniques and all sorts of stuff and things that are in our roadmap. But really more than anything else, it's this idea of like how to be in the world as an entrepreneur that is really liberating for me. So all of that to sort of just put a tag on the end of what Steph said, you're sitting there, you want to make your thing, you're uncertain, you'd like to have the kind of success, you're comparing yourself to other people, and it's and it's 
it's this mix of doing stuff with some silly idea that you have, even though you know it's like probably not the real one or whatever. That's fine. You get wet. You just dip your toes in the water. You start to understand, okay, I made my site, did the thing, because it's not about making the site. It's about the stuff that comes after that, and then the stuff comes after that, and the stuff comes after that. Because once you go through that once, then you're like, oh, okay, I kind of see where I made an assumption that wasn't really true. But now I have a process to do that all over again, and I could do that in a week or two to completely pivot and revamp the idea for my thing. And those are the people that I love to watch because I was not that kind of person. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was the like him and Han, like, yeah, one day we'll see what I do. We'll see what comes up. I've been thinking about some stuff, stewing on it. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot of potential. We'll see what happens. And so uh, I always, now looking back at it, I, I admire the people who are willing to know enough to get started. And that to me is, is I think, a big dream of ours with the roadmap. Here, just do this part. Okay, just do that. Okay, just do that. And then three weeks in, we get to go like, hey, so, you know what you've just done? But, to, you know? but to, to go back to what Steph was talking about on the other side of that coin, because you know, one part of it is people who hesitate and they're not sure if their idea is, is good enough. She also brought up people who feel like they have this incredible idea. And we've all probably had this once in a while as an entrepreneur where you feel like, yeah. oh my God, this idea is gold. And I, I just have to get it out there so, so that it works because it's so good. It's just, it's just going to bring everything together and it's going to work magically. The problem with that and, and what's so dangerous about, um, this idea that, that Steph brought up, which is some people feel like their idea is so good that they get to skip over a bunch of the work. Mm -hmm. The problem, the problem with that is that if you think about a scientist, this is why we spend so much time talking about business ideas as hypotheses. If you think about a scientist, there are, are plenty of scientists out there who are brilliant. These are people who have, you know, gone to school for 10 years and, and who have written all kinds of papers. And you would, we would all agree that they're incredibly intelligent. But despite their intelligence, those scientists don't just skip past all of the stuff that they need to do, that they know they need to do in order to prove whether or not their idea is right and publish the paper on it because they would be laughed at, because that's not how the world works. And the same is true of business. No matter how smart you are, no matter how great you think your idea is, you have to then take your idea and see whether or not it's correct and see if the world uh, relates to your idea in the way that you think they will. Because human nature is complicated, problems that people wrestle with are complicated, competition is complicated. And so you have to put your thing out there in a methodical sort of way and a lot of times that involves having really great customer conversations. It involves building something with a minimum viable approach so that you can put something out there quickly, get feedback on it, and find out if you're headed in the right direction or not so that you don't just charge ahead and look back and realize that you made 20 different mistakes along the way because you were too married to your idea. You were too romantic about how smart you were and not boots on the ground enough, not, um, as, as Chase was saying earlier, the quote is, I believe success is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. It's mostly work on top of a small kernel of an idea. Yeah. And this is where I would say too, there's an importance of being real with yourself and having a reality check around. If you're having this feeling of like, man, my ideas are so good. I'm so smart. How come I'm not rich yet? You have to ask yourself, am I really doing the things that, 
you know, I, I know I could be doing in order to get me there. Some of that nitty gritty stuff, like we're talking about customer conversations are a great example, really doing the dirty work of sitting down with people and understanding how your customers work. I'm not talking about sending a survey. I feel like I talk about this a lot. It's not that I have a problem with surveys, but a lot of people think that they can just send a survey out and like, that'll be enough to learn about their demographic. When in reality, that's just not the same as really sitting down yeah. with the people who are going to be in your audience and, and, and be the users of your product and just understanding what it's like to be in their shoes. So I think there's definitely an element of getting real with yourself and looking in the mirror and saying, you know what, am I really doing the stuff that, I know can get me there or am I kind of daydreaming about this and playing business as we sometimes say, which I know that sounds kind of harsh, but there really is a reality. And I think all of us have had those moments where we're like, you know what? I I'm saying that I want this, but am I really putting in like the weekly, daily, monthly actions that are going to get me there? And sometimes you just have to take a look at what you're actually putting into it and adjust if you're not being quite as persistent as you could be. Yeah, we. Uh, I was on a mastermind retreat recently and there was this great quote that came out of it. I don't remember who said it. It was one of the guys, but it was basically that we judge ourselves by the thoughts we have and the intentions we have. And the only thing other people can judge us on is the work we've done or the product we've produced or whatever the actual output is of those intentions. And, uh, and I just thought that little succinct saying of we judge ourselves by our intentions and other people judge us by our work was perfectly encapsulated this idea that it's so easy to build yourself up, to talk a big game, to feel like you're deserving or, or to feel like you've done the work, the research, the learning, the whatever, and have that seem like it should be enough. But the only thing other people can judge you based on is the work you put out, the blog posts you write, the workshops you host, the you know ties you make, whatever your thing is, that's the only way other people end up seeing you. And so if you're not doing that public work, if you're not actually like Cor going back to Corbett's blog post, doing the work that reflects your intentions, then there's no way you can end up reaching whatever your definition of that success looks like uh, because you're the only one thinking about it. And I think that's just a common thing, whether it's in your business and what you hope to accomplish with it, or whether it's in personal relationships, we have so much internal dialogue that you know, goes on inside our own heads. And if we don't share that with other people, they can't possibly know what we're thinking and feeling. So, you know, I think that's a big thing is that you've got to really reflect, like Seth was just saying, on on this time that's gone by and look at the body of work you've produced and say, if I were someone, if I were an objective someone looking at this body of work, would I expect me to be successful? And that's a hard question because you're really holding the mirror up to yourself when you do that. But my guess is that for most people, if they took that honest assessment, they would see the gaps. They would see the gaps between where they think they should be and where they actually are in the things that they produced. I think that is such yeah. an excellent point. And what I get from that is what I heard Barrett say was intention is not necessarily the same as action. I think that's so huge. And I wish that someone had told me that when I was trying to start my business, that just because I have these the best of intentions and I dream of, you know, having this business is not the same necessarily as the actions that are required. And I love this concept too of what other, what your customers see. So thinking, you know, your customers don't have the privilege of being inside your mind of what you want your thing to be. They can only see the, um, the fruit, you know, the fruits of your labor essentially. So I think that's a great point. So going back to this whole thing now, let's, let's sort of put a pin in this. Because the idea is, listen, I'm frustrated because I should be more successful. 
right? And that person over there, I think I'm smarter than them or I'm, I'm, I'm more qualified or I'm more experienced or I deserve it more. But they have, they have more success than I and that they, I want what they have. And it sounds like a, like what we've said is is totally understand that uh, like it's a very human feeling. We all go through that. Number two, uh, it's not what your intentions are, but it's the work that you actually do. And it sounds like sort of built into that is this idea of like don't despise the day of humble beginnings. Like start where you are, embrace where you're where you are right now, and get and and just get your hands dirty, get going. Because the truth is success is going to take 15 years uh, of, of just kind of like pushing soil around and moving things and figuring out where the sunlight hits and then yada, 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 all that stuff. I'm if for some reason in a backyard gardening sort of uh, mindset right now. So that's what I'm going with. Um, a, 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 what, else, what else have we said b- besides that? That like, of course, this is a human thing to feel and it's not going to get you anywhere but bitterness. So in the meantime, what you can do is make your best guess and start getting working on this. Have we said much more than that, really? I mean, if you want to take like 45 minutes of conversation and just distill it down to a pithy like 20 <laughs> seconds, that's fine. I'm just trying to get to the point, guys. I'm just yeah. trying to do what our audience wants us to do. Get I think, to the point. <laughs> I think there might be one thing that maybe we haven't talked about yet that might be worth chatting about a little bit, which is huh. this idea of luck. And I feel like, Chase, you may have mentioned this kind of briefly at the beginning of the conversation, but mm. I do see this a lot in, in our forums and especially with people who are maybe just starting out. But I think it's tempting, and I know I have thought this myself, it's tempting to look at somebody else's hard work and want to believe that there's luck involved or that, you know, oh, that person, a great example is like that person started blogging in 2002 and that's when blogging, you know, that they hit it just the right way in order to be successful. So that can never be me. Um, Is there anything we want to say on that topic and how to kind of back yourself or check yourself out of having those types of thoughts? Because I don't think that those are very productive when you look at other people's success and kind of dismiss it by saying, well, you know, that can't be me because X. Yeah, what I'll say on that is everyone has moments where they get lucky. Every single person in the world. And the question is, are you ready for it? Are you ready to capitalize on it? Are you ready to take advantage of that lucky moment and build on it? And I think for a lot of people, we're not ready. We're, we haven't done the, the, the work to be ready to capitalize on those lucky moments when something pops up. Um, the example I always use from my life was, I built, I spent two years building a business and like the crowning achievement of those two years of work, really all three years of work that I put into that was I had a thing that represented my intention and my potential enough that people were willing to give me opportunities. Living for Monday, the business that I started was the only reason that I got picked to, um, end up going to one of the world's most prestigious conferences. It's the only reason I got to work with a person that most people would kill to work for. It's the only reason that Corbett chose to mentor me and I ended up on the Fizzle team. And so you've got to be ready for luck to come your way. And if you're not, if you're not already doing the work on your part and trusting that those lucky moments are going to come along, then it's, that's when you start hating on other people's luck, I think is when you realize that you've had opportunities pass you by that you weren't ready for because you hadn't done the work already. And I just think you have to be ready for luck to play a role in your own journey or else you're just going to be sitting around hating on people just like Mm. a lot of people end up doing. 
Luck be a lady tonight. So I just wanted to finish that off with that. <laughs> but it's very true. And I think there, there, I mean, there's a lot of, what's great about this topic is there's just so much space, there's so much room in here for, for resentment to grow. And for as someone who's been married for 10 years, not quite easily, um, there's just been a lot of work around that, around that, those, that emotion or that, I don't know, that, that sensation of resentment and of, of sort of like, uh, and a lot of it is, is like shame, like personal shame, as well as, as just like kind of what you're talking about, Barrett, is, is like when you missed opportunities and you, then you have that shame on it. Some people internal, internalize it that way. Others re- refuse to see it that way and continue to play the victim. You know, just like, hey, man, nobody's looking out for me. Yeah, everybody's doing it for everybody else, but not for me. You know, and those are very real feel, real feelings to have. So to me, it's like what I love about this topic is it gets straight to the heart of a very sensitive and very like, uh, I don't know, very emotional issue uh, because of what I said earlier on where, where you're not going to do great work when you're coming from this place of like, well, I want what they have, so I'm going to try harder because then you're just in a copying sort of mode. You know, and to me, the real game is to get up to get actually down underneath that into like, where are the humans actually interacting? Because there's a bunch of people following that person just because they like they're like, oh, this is solving my problem. Right. So they beat you to the punch. They're solving that. They're solving that problem for them. Um, Now, does that mean that there's no more punches to be thrown? I I don't know. I, I think I think there's plenty of marketplaces where there's tons of room for competition. Right. And 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 great businesses coexisting next to each other. So uh, I don't know, all of that, all of that idea of, of luck to me, it does play a really big role. And it's also it's one you should just kind of like do a hat tip at. Do you know what I mean? It's like I understand that I cannot take full responsibility for the success that I have had or will have. I can just be there where I feel like is the right place to be, you know? Yeah. And uh, Corbett, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but your latest blog post on your site about uh, all the easy money being gone, I thought was a pretty solid point on this. Just pointing out that, yeah, you can do all the learning you want. You can follow all the influencers you want. You can have a million role models and mentors and mastermind groups and everything else. And at the end of the day, what it comes down to for so many businesses and so many individual entrepreneurs is you got to have a vision for where you're going because somebody paved the path before you got to it for what you're paying attention to. And there's no reason that you can't build something equally impressive, equally successful, equally interesting, equally fulfilling for you by having your own vision and then teaching that to a bunch of people coming up behind you. And I think it's when people turn the corner from, I'm going to follow that person's path that they've laid out to, I'm going to follow this path because that's the vision I have for what I'm trying to create. I think that's a pretty special moment where things really can start to change for you. I don't know if you want to add to that from your thoughts on it. No, I, I think you got it. The, the other thing, though, that I'll add to uh, just to this conversation overall is that we we didn't really talk about what rich means. We just kind of assumed, I think, that rich means some like basic level of success. I think for some people, rich might mean rich, like wealthy, like you know, multimillionaire or billionaire or whatever. Um, and the stakes just get higher in those cases if you're literally talking about being rich, if you're equating that to just having a successful business and and earning a comfortable living, um, some sort of basic level of success, then I don't think you really have to be all that smart. And I think, you know, if you, if you're, if you're somewhat smart and really dedicated, 
it should be just a matter of time before you're able to reach that I'm able to support myself level. And if you've been going at this for 20 years or something and you feel like you're pretty smart and you've been working fairly hard and the only thing you're trying to do is to earn a living on your own and you haven't been able to do that yet, then something is is critically wrong with your approach. And whatever you've been doing is probably not going to lead to a breakthrough if it's been that long, because it's not rocket science to build a simple business. I know that a lot of businesses fail and, and you've heard the stats and, and yada yada. But, uh, after a couple of decades of work, if, if you have been working at it that long, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to support yourself independently. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know if we have anything to add here, guys. I think we've, we've done it. I think so. Feel good about it, Steph? Yeah. I hope that the conversation is helpful. I think, um, you know, it like like we started by saying we all have felt this way. I think it's important to point that out that, you know, sometimes, sometimes when you're feeling this way, it feels kind of like you're a jerk, for, but you just have to, I like how you put it, Chase, tip your hat at it and realize, like acknowledge it and then kind of start to work through it versus just kind of stewing on it. So I think it was a good, I think we had a good conversation about it. Good. Well, I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Lee Barr. I've been Barrett Allen Brooks. I have been Steph Wardeman Crowder. And we'll see you there, or we'll, we'll see, see you another, another time. time. Okay, there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 159. That's where the show notes and the conversation about this episode are going to be happening. And I put on there this School of Life video on self-compassion. It's really good. I love it. I think it, it literally does help. It, like, I, like I remembered it in this podcast episode today when we were having the conversation. You might remember it in those moments where you're just super hard on yourself. So please, please do yourself a favor and watch this little five-minute video at fizzleshow.co slash 159. Also, right there, you'll be able to click to get our guide on defining your audience. Okay, so to, who is it that you serve? What do they struggle with? Right? What are they afraid of? What's the transformation you want them to have? In, that, in this little free guide uh, that I made, you'll find my four favorite tricks for defining your audience, getting insights as well. From I interviewed 13 different entrepreneurs on how do they do this? When they do a new project, how do they interview or get to know who their audience is going to be so they can make their thing more successful from the start? So please go to the show notes. Click to get to the free guide on understanding your audience at fizzleshow.co slash 159. Here's an iTunes rating from Katio in the US of A who says, hey folks, I've been guilty is that a word? Guiltily? Listening to Chase ask for an iTunes review since October of 2014 and figured it was finally time. I really love the show, like a lot. I sporadically listen to other podcasts, but The Fizzle Show is the only one I come looking for on release day every Friday. This show has heart, hustle, brains, and guts. It addresses the real-life challenges of trying to build a nindy business that you care about. What do I personally get out of it? Actionable business advice for those with creative mindset challenges. Honestly, thank you so much, Katio, Katio, for, for leaving the iTunes review. Thank you, I appreciate it. You know what? Better late than never. And the same goes for you, dear listener. You know, our goal here is to keep making these podcasts and to get them out to as many people as we can. Our flavor of business is like honest, humane, fun, creative, interesting kind of business. And we want to disseminate that out into the world like a virus. 
like a dandelion in your neighbor's yard that's just going to screw up your own garden. <laughs> so please, if you haven't yet, go to iTunes and search for Fizzle and click write a review. I would love to read your voice out on the air. Okay, that's it for episode 159. Go gentle on yourself out there. Try to create from a sense of acceptance and not some need to do or be more. To me and to the people who matter most, you already are enough. Find care, take care, serve hard and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.